I'm sure that many people listening to this can remember a time before mobile phones or cell phones depending on what country you live in. It's hard to imagine a world without wireless technology now, but back then it wasn't as easy as sending a text message to your friends or family saying I'll see you in five. We depended on landline phones and pay phones if we needed to talk to someone that we couldn't see in person. Today we will be discussing a young woman who, like many others, pulled over to use a payphone but was tragically abducted and has never been seen again. Let's uncover the unsolved disappearance of Angela Hammond. Hello and welcome to the 63rd episode of the Uncovered True Crime podcast. My name is Stephanie and each week we uncover a different unsolved true crime case ranging from missing persons, unsolved murders, Jane and John Doe's and suspicious deaths. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other podcast streaming apps. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at uncover underscore pod, on Instagram at uncover true crime pod and you can join the uncover true crime discussion group on Facebook. But without any further ado, let's uncover the unsolved disappearance of Angela Hammond. Angela Marie Hammond was born on the 9th of February 1971 in Kansas, Missouri to Chris and Marsha. Just before the birth of Angela's younger brother, the family moved to Clinton, which is where she continued to live until the time she went missing. Angela was described as a very popular and funny person and was adored by many. She met Rob Schaefer when they both attended the same high school and the two started dating. People around them said that they were a match made in heaven as the pair had so much in common. After graduating high school, Angela enrolled in the Central Missouri State University and had a part-time job as a processor at a bank. Rob was planning on joining the military and was working odd jobs until he could make that dream a reality. Both had ambitions for the future as far as their careers went, but a year after they both graduated high school, Angela found out she was pregnant. Even though they were both still young and a baby may have changed their plans, by all account they were both very excited about the pregnancy. So much so that Rob proposed and Angela agreed to marry him. They were ready to begin the rest of their lives together. However, they would never get a chance to start their family as Angela disappeared when she was four months pregnant. On the 4th of April 1991, Rob and Angela had attended a barbecue at Angela's mother's house, but Rob had to leave early to go look after his little brother at their parents' house. Angela drove him there at around 10pm and I believe that Angela was planning on going back there later on that evening. At 7.45pm, she called Rob from a payphone at a food barn store on the corner of Jefferson and 2nd Street and she told them that she was too tired to meet up that night and that she just wanted to go home, have a bath and go to bed. The, the pair spoke for a while before Angela mentioned that there was a suspicious looking car that was driving around the car park. This man eventually got out of the car and Angela said that he had a torch in his hand and it looked as though he was looking for something on the ground. The man then stood at the payphone beside Angela but I don't think he actually made a call. Thinking that his payphone might not be working, she asked the man if he needed to use the phone but he said no. Once the man was out of earshot, Angela gave Rob a description of him, saying that he was a white male, around 30 years old, wearing overalls, a baseball cap and had a dirty looking beard. Angela and Rob continued to talk for a while until suddenly Rob heard Angela screaming and the call ended, but not before he heard the man saying, quote, I didn't need to use the phone anyway, unquote. Rob's parents' house was only a few blocks away from the food barn store, so he got into his car and raced over there to help Angela. En route, he saw Angela screaming from the back of a late 1960s or early 1970s Ford F-150 pickup truck that had a muriel of a fish jumping out of water painted on it, and it also had damage to its front left fender. He started to chase the truck but couldn't read the licence plate as it was too dirty. He was able to follow the truck for about a mile before his transmission failed 
and the car broke down. Helpless, Rob had to watch as the truck drove up Calvert Drive, never to be seen again. He was soon able to wave down another motorist and ask them to drive him to the police station where he reported Angela's abduction to the police. The police scoured the area for witnesses, hoping that someone would know where Angela was, but they had no success. However, they were able to locate witnesses who said that they had seen the man Rob described near the payphone around the time that Angela disappeared. Volunteers from the area searched for her and local newspapers covered the story, but no leads that were called in led them any closer to finding Angela. The residents of Clinton were shocked that such a thing had happened in their town. Any kind of abduction is fairly shocking, but everyone who lived there considered Clinton to be a very safe place. While researching Angela's case, I found a source that said something to the effect of no woman in their right mind nowadays would be alone at a payphone at that time of night. And I'll be honest, I have a major issue with this line of thinking. Yes, we are more aware of dangers now than perhaps we were back in the early 90s. However, this statement sounds very much like victim blaming and has a well, what do you expect kind of energy to it. I understand that we live in a world where people, especially women, feel scared to go out at night by themselves themselves. But we shouldn't have to feel that way. People can be out at any time of night without the fear of harm or of them being abducted. Ran over, I just wanted to say that before I continue with the rest of this case. The police were not able to track down the Ford pickup truck without the license plate. However, police did hope that the unusual mural on the side of the truck would make it more distinctive looking and that this could be the key to finding Angela. But unfortunately, it didn't. It's likely that the owner of this van either got rid of it very quickly after the abduction and or got rid of the mural so it would blend in better. But that is just my opinion. Police made up a sketch of the man based on a description that Angela had given Rob. However, the sketch does leave out several features that Rob gave to the police about the suspect, including his facial hair and glasses. According to sources online, police told Rob that it was possible that the glasses and facial hair were fake and part of a disguise, which is why they left them out. But I don't know why they thought this. I mean, yeah, it is totally possible that the glasses and facial hair were part of a disguise, but I think it's a bit presumptuous to assume that. Missing persons posters of Angela were made and circulated far and wide, and eventually they were seen by a Canadian man, who claimed that he had seen a woman matching Angela's description entering a similar truck to the one Rob had described, Muriel and all, at a drugstore in Manitoba, Canada. Now, I don't know what Angela's exact due date was, however, if she was four months pregnant in April of 1991, her due date probably would have been around September of that same year, which is when the man claims to have seen her. He didn't mention that the woman was pregnant and when the Canadian police looked into this lead, they contacted hospitals in the area to see if any maternity units recognised Angela, just in case she had already given birth, but no one had. Nothing came of this lead and the sighting was never confirmed. In 2009, police revealed that thanks to advances in forensic technology, they had DNA evidence in the case, but they were not any more specific, so we don't know if this was Angela's DNA or the abductor's. That is all the information that the police have released in this case, but before we get into the theories, I want to thank a company who has supported this podcast. We'll be right back. I would like to thank Anna Louisa Jewellery for supporting this podcast. That's Anna Louisa Jewellery, spelt A N A. L-U-I-S-A. Every Friday, Anna Luisa Jewellery release a new collection, and all of their pieces are absolutely gorgeous and so iconic. 
They have earrings, necklaces, rings and bracelets to suit every gender identity, age and personal style. So there's literally something for everybody. The quality of their jewellery is also outstanding. All of their pieces are nickel-free and hypoallergenic. So if your skin is quite sensitive when wearing metals, Anna Luisa has you covered. The next item of jewellery that I'm going to be adding to my collection soon is the Stephanie ring, which is a classic plain gold band and I think it is so elegant. They have zodiac necklaces for those who are really into astrology, diamonds if you're into a bit of bling, and they also have beautiful engraved rings and bracelets. I really couldn't recommend them highly enough. Their pieces start at $39 with sales up to 25% off, which is amazing, especially with the holiday season so close. Get your holiday gifts from Anna Luisa now at shopanaluisa.com forward slash uncover. That's shop.analuisa.com forward slash uncover. I would like to thank Anna Luisa Jewelry for supporting this podcast, but now let's get back to the episode. This is the part of the episode where we discuss theories, which, like all theories discussed on this podcast, are all pure speculation. Because of how far-fetched Rob's account of Angela's disappearance was, he was on the police's radar from the very beginning. To be honest, I can understand this as it does sound like something from a movie, but that doesn't mean he was lying. I don't know if the police checked phone records from his parents' house or from the payphone where Angela made the call, but I would imagine that would have cleared his name rather quickly. Nevertheless, police did find Rob's broken down car exactly where he said it would be and witnesses were able to verify details of the abduction that he had given to the police and he passed a lie detector test. If you have listened to this podcast for a while you will know that I put absolutely no stock into lie detector tests but every piece of evidence we have in this case does support Rob's version of events and everyone who knew the couple including Angela's parents said that Rob and Angela didn't appear to have any issues they were both very excited about their future and Rob was a loving caring boyfriend, so police were able to rule him out as a suspect. The next theory is that Angela's ex-boyfriend Bill Baker was responsible. Apparently there were rumours going around Clinton that Bill was the father of Angela's unborn child, however that is all this is, a rumour. Angela's parents and Rob have denied this, stating that there are no doubts about the paternity of the baby. To be honest, I think that if Bill was the man who abducted Angela that night, she probably would have recognised him and would have said to Rob on the phone, oh hey, that's Bill but she didn't. Say for argument's sake, he did wear some sort of lame disguise, as the police suspect. Angela said that the man was in his 30s. Bill was only 17, which is quite a big discrepancy. I believe that Bill was also questioned by the police, but as there is absolutely no evidence tying him to the case, he was ruled out too. Many people have speculated that Angela's disappearance was linked to other missing persons cases in Missouri, namely Cheryl Ann Kenny, who disappeared after locking up the convenience store she worked at just two months before Angela went missing. Apart from the fact that they were two young women who went missing at night in the same state, nothing else really ties their cases together. Others believe that her case might also be connected to the murder of Trudy Baker, who also went missing at night after leaving her work just six weeks before Angela was abducted. However, two men have been convicted of her murder and I don't think there is anything that links her killers to Angela. I might be totally wrong here. Maybe her cases are connected to theirs. They are similar after 
after all. I just don't think there's enough that points to it yet, although the police might know something that we don't. The last theory that we are going to discuss today is that Angela was kidnapped as a result of mistaken identity. On the exact same date that Angela disappeared, a letter was posted to a police informant in Clinton County. Because of his status as an informant, police have not publicly released the man's name, but they have released the note that he was sent, which was made up of letters cut out of newspapers and magazines. Again, just like something you would see in a film. Parts of the note have been redacted, presumably to conceal the informant's identity. But it reads, quote, Hello, no, blank. We know you. You are no, blank. People like you deserve what you get. We know where your foxy daughter is at, and she will see us soon. Tell blank she has our deepest sympathy for your further loss. Goodbye, blank. Unquote. While the informant's name hasn't been released, it is known that both his wife and daughter were called Angela, and it has been said that this man's daughter bears a quote, striking resemblance, unquote, to Angela Hammond. So it is possible that the kidnapper was after the informant's family and accidentally mistook Angela for being this man's daughter. This does seem like far too much of a coincidence to me for it not to be connected to Angela's case, and it seems to be the best lead that police have. However, they have stated publicly that they have several lines of inquiry, so I really do hope that her case is close to being solved and her family can finally bring her and her baby home. Rob Schaefer went on to join the National Guard, get married and have a family of his own, but I'm sure that not knowing the fate of his old fiancé and his unborn baby has haunted him for the past three decades. He is still very close to the Hammonds who treat him like one of their own, which is so heartwarming. Martha and Chris Hammond are desperate to know what became of their daughter and grandchild. But before I go over the contact details for the police, I'm going to give you a description of Angela as detailed on the Charlie Project website. Angela Marie Hammond was 20 years old when she went missing on the 4th of April 1991. If alive today, she would be 50 years old and her child would be 30. Angela was around 5 foot tall, weighed 140 pounds and had brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a white button shirt with black spots, black slacks and white tennis shoes. Her teeth were said to be in excellent condition, she had a scar on her upper lip and she wore contact lenses. The person of interest in her case was a white male, would have been around 30 years old back in 1991, had facial hair, glasses and was wearing overalls with a baseball cap and appeared to be quite dirty. He was driving a late 1960s or early 1970s Ford F-150 pickup truck that had a muriel of a fish jumping out of water painted on it and it also had damage to the front left fender. If you have any information about Angela Hammond's disappearance, please contact the Clinton Police on 660-885-5561. That is everything I have for you today. Thank you for listening till the very end. Please stay safe and have a good night.